Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. The Steelers have a new OC and former Atlanta Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. Was it the right choice? We'll react and talk to Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for his analysis. Championship weekend is in the books. What were our biggest takeaways? And is it fair to lay so much blame at the feet of Lamar Jackson and Dan Campbell? We'll discuss. The Penguins enter the All-Star break five points out of a playoff spot. Will they turn it around down the stretch? Should they sell out? We'll provide our takes. I'm Bob Anderson. I'm Henry Sutter. And I'm Dave Glass. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go under review. Sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. On Connect FM, your only local news radio. Welcome back to Under Review. It's Wednesday, January 31st, and we got uh, three guys in the studio. Dave Herzing is not here tonight. He's coaching his son's basketball team, but we got Henry Sutter filling back in. How's it going, fellas? Oh, doing great. Glad to be back. Yeah, me too. But glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you both. So uh, with the calendar turning into February here soon, uh, we'd like to let our listeners know that we're going to be going back to the 6 o'clock hour uh beginning on february 21st so we still got a couple weeks left here of the seven o'clock hour but uh six o'clock starting on february 21st in the meantime the steelers did us a little favor here and they uh made a move over the last couple days they hired arthur smith as their new offensive coordinator and it gives us something to talk about so this is where you guys come in what do you think of the hire i thought it was an interesting move I wanted someone with a decent amount of experience. I wanted someone outside of the Steelers system, and he checks both of those boxes. But I can't help but feel uneasy given his run in Atlanta. A 21 and 30 record down there, 7 and 10 each of his three seasons. And I know fantasy football managers will know he wasn't keen on giving a lot of touches to his young stars. Yeah, that was I frustrating. Just, I had Bijan on my team. As did I. And I, I just wonder if that kind of mentality will follow him or if he'll revert more to the coordinator he was in Tennessee. I, I'm also concerned. Look, I've already taken some heat from some friends of mine because I, I already am kind of media you know kind of middling on this move and they're like well, he hasn't even you know played a game you know blah 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 okay fine that's fair that is fair we have not seen what he'll do with this group of talent but we have seen what he did with two other groups of talent in in uh, Atlanta uh, in three years 26th 15th and 26th in points and in yards roughly the same uh, so he's supposed to be an offensive minded coach. He didn't get it done. Now I know some people say, well, he didn't have weapons down there. Okay. Well, I'm not sure he has the weapons here either. I mean, I believe pretty strongly they needed somebody who is going to be on the cutting edge, who can get the most out of, you know, maybe quarterback talent. That's not elite because it doesn't look like we're going to have elite quarterback talent. And I'm looking at a little bit at what Shanahan has done with Brock Purdy. I mean, look, the guy was the Mr. Irrelevant pick. He has turned out to be a good quarterback, but a lot of that is scheme, I'm convinced. Andy Reid, great quarterback, so I'm not taking anything away from Mahomes, but a guy like Andy Reid maximizes the talent. 
it just seems to me like Pittsburgh is stuck in the 70s, like we're going to run the ball and play defense and that's how we're going to win. And I'm not convinced that's that's winning football now. Yeah, if you're happy with the type of offense the Steelers want to run, then Arthur Smith is your guy. They're just doubling down on what they like to do. The problem for me is the NFL has changed, and I do believe that they needed somebody more innovative and somebody who could freshen things up. That said, Arthur Smith as a coordinator was a pretty good coordinator. I mean, in 2020, the Titans were, what, second or third in offensive production? Correct. Second in, second in yards, fourth in points. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, his career was resurrected. And, of course, Derrick Henry, he had his two best seasons with Arthur Smith as the O.C., but as a head coach, oh my goodness, and he was calling the plays there in Atlanta. So I am a little bit concerned there too, as as you mentioned, Henry. But what does this tell us about what the Steelers want to do offensively coming into the next season? Oh, well, go ahead, Henry. I think it's pretty clear that they're going to run that Tennessee scheme. I kind of see Pittsburgh as a very reduced version of what Arthur Smith had, what Arthur Smith had in Tennessee. I coming into his career, I thought Kenny Smith or yeah, Kenny Smith, Kenny Pickett's ceiling was Ryan Tannehill. I thought that was mm. what he could achieve. And so he's Tannehill light. I think Najee Harris can be an extremely light version of Derrick Henry. And I think George Pickens can be, again, an extremely light version of A.J. Brown. You put that all together and you're looking at a similar scheme. And I just don't know, given that it's a lighter version, if they can repeat that success. Well, I mean, Harris, I, I totally agree with just about everything you said there. The interesting parallels are that in 2020, that was Derrick Henry's age 26 year, 378 carries for over 2,000 yards, obviously one of the best seasons in NFL history. Harris is going into his age 26 season, which is really prime for a running back. We all know that, you know, the tread wears off quicker on running backs. So, yes, I think everything points to run, 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 run. They're probably going to draft at least one offensive lineman. And I think that it's really going to try to protect the quarterback. No turnovers, double down on the whole running and defense and win every game they can 17 to 14. And do you guys think this this is this means Kenny Pickett's coming back? Oh, yes, he's definitely coming back. I do wonder if it opens the door for another option, given that Arthur Smith hasn't developed a quarterback. In Ryan Tannehill, he had someone who needed to be a bit of a reclamation project coming out of Miami, but that wasn't a new situation. Even uh, early in his career with Marcus Mariota, that he didn't really develop him into the kind of passer you'd expect with the number two pick. I know that Art Rooney talked about this being a chance to reclaim Kenny Pickett's career. I also wonder if it opens the door for one of the veteran quarterbacks like a Russell Wilson or the newly free agent Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, <laughs> well, I could definitely see Ryan Tannehill. I know Dave is not in favor of Russell Wilson, but I got to tell you, I am sort of on the Russell Wilson train right now. You got to think about this. He would come virtually free. You don't have to give up draft picks for him. And the Atlanta or the um, Denver Broncos are paying the majority of his salary. So why not take a chance on him, right? He does not come free from baggage. Well, and that might be the case. Um, I, I just worry about somebody like that. Maybe he's learned his lesson. Okay, maybe. But, you know, he, had, he basically got banished from Seattle. He got benched here in Denver in a winning, you know, this is a winning team. And they're like, nope, we've had enough. You can go away for the rest of the year. Huge red flags, huge red flags. He turns 36. You know how I feel about the aging curve. New coordinator, new situation. 
I don't know. I think I'd rather roll the dice with Pickett, give him one chance with a, a full season with a new coordinator. You know, you can make the argument that he's never had the pieces that he needed. You know, we were all down on Matt Canada, whether he should have been brought back. Give him give him one last good chance. Because, look, even if you do bring Russ Wilson in, is he really the answer long term? No. A year, two tops, and then you're doing this again. Well, let's turn the page here, guys. There was other football news over the weekend. Of course, uh, we have a Super Bowl uh, set here. But uh, I wanted to go back and talk about those games real quick. And let's start with the AFC game. Uh, despite a great regular season, Lamar Jackson's probably going to be the MVP. Uh, was he the biggest reason for the Ravens' loss on Sunday? Ah, go ahead. I can't entirely blame Jackson, although I'd like to see him do a little more with his legs off script. But for the team to have only run the ball 16 times and for it to be their first game of the season under 100 yards rushing, I have to feel that Todd Munkin got entirely away from his game plan. That couldn't have been what he had in mind coming in. And with the Chiefs storming out to two early touchdown drives, I think he ripped up his script and said, let's start it over. Well, the Chiefs would only go on to add three more points. They finished with 17, and Baltimore completely abandoned their run game, abandoned their identity, and so I can't put all of that on the shoulders of Jackson. I I agree, and nobody's talking about those those first couple drives. Baltimore is supposed to have this awesome defense, and they came out and put their team in a quick hole. And and the other thing, we've talked about it on this show before, turnovers in the NFL are almost always really predictive, and he had the – one of them wasn't his fault. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who I thought was the GOAT. Flowers really, really screwed up. I mean – he he just he he's got to get that under control. But the second turnover, you cannot throw that pick in the end zone. You just can't. It was thrown in triple coverage. I heard some Ravens fans talking about pass. No official is going to bail you out when you're triple covered. It's not going to happen. Well, Lamar Jackson is now two and four in playoff games, and um, you know in those six games, his completion percentage has been under sixty percent in four of them. So, just something to think about. On the other hand, Dan Campbell is taking a lot of the blame for the Lions' loss Sunday. Same question. Was he the biggest reason the Lions lost? No. I, I, look, I don't agree with, especially the first time when he could have gone up three scores. I think he should have kicked the points. But number one, most teams have to lose a game like that before they win. Very, very few come out and just win it all in their first go around. I think this was a learning experience for him. I think it was a learning experience for the team. And I think if you put True Serum and any Lions fan in the country and they said, you're going to go to the NFC Championship game and you're going to lose a close game to San Francisco, like, wow, what a great year. That's awesome. So, and if, and by the way, if that either one of those fourth downs work, we're not having this oh, conversation. Yeah. So I'm I'm always about process rather than results. I still think the process was wrong, especially the first one. But you know that's his mo. Maybe he does need to dial it back. But they also his defense completely collapsed in the second half. When you're coaching with a defense that you know can be prone to play that poorly, I can't entirely blame him for wanting to step on the Niners while they were down. And if we really look at it, they did execute that fourth and three aside from the drop. The play call was fine. The pass was not perfect, but it was catchable. And Josh Reynolds just didn't come up with the ball. Yeah, you got to make that catch. And, uh, you know, it's not Dan Campbell's fault that the uh, Lions DB had the the, the ball go right through his hands or off his helmet and right to Ayuk and yeah that was a weird yeah play. and Gibbs fumbles you know I mean that's not Dan Campbell's fault I I did have more of a problem with the second fourth down try than the first one honestly because I you know three points down I feel like you gotta kick the field goal there and 
give yourself a chance or else the game might be over. But uh, anyhow, we're going to keep the Steelers talk going here. When we return, we're going to talk to Brian Batko from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Post-Gazette, stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Shop local, buy local, save deals. Hi, I'm Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. Sunny 106 and Connect FM support the people who work to make our community a better place. If your nonprofit organization struggles to promote your meetings, fundraisers, or events, we can help. Through our radio stations, audio streams, and websites, we can get your message out with no charge to your organization. Just email the details to communitycalendar at priorityMedia.net. That's communitycalendar at priorityMedia.net. Sunny 106, Connect FM, and Priority Media local media made here. Hi, I'm Diana. As a veteran, I know that for many servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home because I too struggle with the invisible wounds of service. Thankfully, I found American Humane's Pups for Patriots program, which brought Sam into my life. Before being paired with Sam, I didn't get out of bed for most days. Pups for Patriots and Sam literally changed my life. Now I'm able to go to the store without having a panic attack. I'm finally able to live my life the way I want to live it. Pups for Patriots provides trained service dogs to veterans like me at no cost. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots service dog program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance. A message from American Humane. Do you know someone who's facing financial or personal hardship due to cancer? Would you like to help them during this difficult time? The Randy Carlson Memorial is accepting nominations for their 2024 beneficiary now through February 29th. Just go to XHLHockey.net and click Nomination Application on the homepage. The event for the beneficiary will be at the Outdoor Hockey Rink in Brockway on Saturday, May 18th. Join us and help someone in their fight against cancer. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows of aloft around 33 tonight under overcast skies, westerly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Cloudy skies expected again tomorrow. Slight chance for isolated rain showers. Daytime highs approaching 41. Chance for rain becoming mixed precipitation tomorrow night. Lows of aloft around 34. Cloudy skies expected. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Right now, 39. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. Let's go out to the phone line now to welcome Brian Batko back to the show, who does a great job covering the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, how are you? Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, We were just saying off the air before we got on here, you know, there's really no Steelers off season, never a dull moment with them. And 
I wasn't expecting this to be the week we really went all in on the coordinator uh, hire, but here we are now with a lot of Arthur Smith to digest. Yeah, are you surprised that they, um, you know, that they made this move so quickly? I, I thought they were going to cast a wider net, and um, you know, they only ended up interviewing three different people. Yeah, I am a little surprised. I think back to, um, you know, I guess kind of the the last sort of big search for the Steelers and their staff was the you know, GM replacement for Kevin Colbert a couple years ago, and you know, I lost count of, of how many people they interviewed for that job. They were sort of all over the place traversing the league, and I, I thought they were going to do something similar here, but you know, then we talked to Art Rooney II on Monday, and the team president used the term sooner than later. They thought they would wrap up the offensive coordinator search, and it wasn't kidding. It was a day later they uh, they got it done. So I, I certainly started to get the feeling like, okay, once they talked to Arthur Smith, seemed like somebody who a lot of dots were connected with why he would fit here, and that's, that's ultimately the move they made. They didn't uh, wait around for teams that were recently eliminated or the two that are going to the Super Bowl to, to try to have in-person meetings with those assistants. Well, I'll ask you the same question I asked the guys here in the studio in the previous segment. Is Arthur Smith the right guy for the job? Hard to say if he's the right guy for the job, but I didn't have a slam-dunk option in mind in this cycle. I don't know that anybody really did. I think there were so many offensive coordinators who were either in line to get bumped up to head jobs, and if not, they were going to stay where they were at. And beyond that, you know, I don't think there was a really obvious candidate of, hey, this this guy's paid his dues, he's done it, but he's also sort of an up-and-comer. And why is that? Because most of the time those guys get vaulted into the you know, the head coaching ranks. So, I mean, you're, you're always trying to find that balance of experience versus on the rise and ascending. So that, that's, that's tough to do as far as going down the, like, quote-unquote retread label with Arthur Smith. I think the Steelers could have done a lot worse than somebody who was highly successful for two years in the offensive coordinator role and then just not as successful when he was running the entire franchise down in Atlanta. So, um, you know, hard for me to say if it's the exact right guy and exact right fit, but uh, the, the more I sort of look into this and, and listen to people who know a lot about football and are familiar with Arthur Smith, I, I get higher and higher on, on the move they made here. Well, uh, let me take it back just a second. Um, and, and do you think this represents for the Steelers, uh, we're going to double down on the Steelers' way, you know, the, the power run game, you know, the quarterback more is a, a protector rather than a driver of offense? Or do you, do you think that maybe maybe he'll uh, step out of what he did in Tennessee a little bit? I don't necessarily think that. And I do get some of the criticism of this hire just because, you know, he doesn't come from the, the systems that are, you know, a step ahead of defenses right now in the NFL, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, the, you know, kind of, you know, in McVay's case, more wide open, 11 personnel, three wide receivers, try to defend the whole field or the Shanahan highly schemed, um, you know, play action passing wide receivers wide open everywhere. Um, you know, Smith is uh, certainly relies on the play action, but it's way more two tight end sets. And you know, we know he was run first, at least in, in Nashville and was leaning that way most of the time of his tenure with the Falcons. But, you know, I, I think he is somebody who we've seen plays well to, um, the, the personnel that he has, um, you know, albeit 
a lot of fantasy owners wanted more out of the tight end Kyle Pitts in Atlanta and you know their first round receiver a year ago Drake London wasn't highly productive but uh, I think he is somebody who understands you know offensive football and I think his philosophy fits sort of the stated goals of the Steelers organization and you know they really talked up the the one-two punch they have at running back with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren so it does make sense to get somebody who uh, is been pretty good schematically in the run game. So I think it's – I'm not as worried that it's going to be, hey, uh, old school, ground and pound, not with the modern NFL. I I don't think that's the figure that Arthur Smith uh, projects to me. Okay, that's fair. But, I mean, I guess maybe – I just think that's his strength, yeah. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe a different take on it. Do you think it's possible to win at a high level in the NFL without – an elite or even that next tier down quarterback. I mean, maybe he is a good offensive coordinator. Maybe he just hasn't had the right quarterback, but I'm not sure that we have that now either. I'm not sure anybody's sure of that. Right. And, and I mean, to answer your question, no, I don't think it is. I mean, we've seen teams get close, but can't quite get over that hump when you don't have the superhero under center. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo came very close, you know, a few plays here and there. Uh, a throw gets made here, a throw gets made there. You, you can easily say that's, you know, reductive that they didn't have the guy, but the guy didn't do it. Uh, Jared Goff, when you know, when the Rams got to the promised land, it took getting Matthew Stafford for them to go all the way. So, yeah, I mean, I still do think you need that extremely talented, can, can put the team on his back and, and put a game on his shoulders type of quarterback. And, you know, I guess we're going to have another sort of, case study of that next uh, next Sunday when it's Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes because I, I think Purdy is much closer to the Goff and Garoppolo uh, class of quarterbacks than he is Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Um, now, you know, the, the quarterbacks on the Steelers roster aren't really in either one of those tiers to this point. So um, I think that's sort of independent of Arthur Smith. Um, I guess the big question is, if you land that guy at quarterback, easier said than done, uh, would he be somebody who can play to that person's uh, abilities? And I, and I think he could. Um, will he develop? Can he pick it in the right way? I'm not sure, but I also don't know that one of these other um, you know, up-and-coming coordinators would have done that either. Do you think this is Mike Tomlin's last shot to get the offensive coordinator position right? And if so, do you think that's why he wanted someone with a little more experience? Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, every 17 years in, every season, um, you know, you get to a point where I think eventually it's, it is going to end. Nothing lasts forever. So with each passing year, I, I think you, you just naturally and logically move closer to that, unless he's going to coach 40 years, which I don't think so. Um, I think we're past the... Uh, you know the the, meet, the midpoint of Tomlin's tenure with the Steelers. So, could this be it for him? I mean, it it not in the sense that yeah, if this doesn't go right, he's he's going to get fired. But I just think if if you go through another tough year or two or three, I mean that's going to wear on everybody to the point that maybe you just do need a break. Maybe you do say okay, it's time to step away. So I think it's a pivotal hire in that vein, and yet. I think some of the frustration that builds among the fan base is kind of, hey, how much are you going to move the goalposts? If it doesn't go well this season, are you going to say, okay, Kenny Pickett uh, you know, 
was learning a new offense, and that's why there were struggles. And, and then if it doesn't go well in year two, are you going to say, okay, we believe in Arthur Smith, but maybe we don't have the quarterback for him? I mean, you, at some point you do have to get to a juncture where maybe more of a rebuild or teardown is needed, but we know that's just not really in the Steelers' DNA. Speaking of Kenny Pickett, Arthur Smith – doesn't have a track record of developing young quarterbacks. Is there a chance this move signals that a veteran free agent is coming to Pittsburgh? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, the, the Ryan Tannehill-Arthur Smith connection is certainly one that's going to be made, and, and rightfully so. They did great work together in Tennessee. I think, you know, in, in Tannehill's case, he was rejuvenated by Smith career-wise, and in Smith's case, you know, he he got his big break and was able to run with it in large part because of how Tannehill played in his scheme. And there's also the, you know, the data point of when Arthur Smith did kind of get the chance to call a shot at quarterback in Atlanta, he brought in Marcus Mariota, who was with him in Tennessee. So he's, he's somebody that you know, builds relationships and wants to continue working with people from his past, which isn't uncommon at all. I just think that you know, all the tea leaves we've been reading with the Steelers, and they've been pretty upfront about it too, is that, they're interested in bringing back Mason Rudolph. I don't think they're saying that to, uh, you know, to do anything, uh, you know, sneaky or anything like that. I think they mean it when they say it, and um, you know, they believe in what he was able to do down the, the stretch and want to see him back in another camp competing with Kenny Pickett. I think the the wild card more than a veteran free agent would be: do they find a quarterback they like in this draft? Probably in the mid to late rounds if they're going to do that. We got a couple minutes left here. We're talking to Brian Batco. You can follow his work at thepostgazette.com or on X at Brian Batco. Uh, Brian, what about Najee Harris? Do you think the Steelers pick up his fifth-year option? I do. I, I was. I probably would have said no early in the season, but I, I just thought he finished so strong. He, you know, really compliments Jalen Warren well, and vice versa. One of those guys is, is more of the traditional workhorse who wears down the defense, and then I, and Warren comes in as kind of a, a curveball, and it's a it's a good change of pace. So it, I wouldn't really want to go uh, messing around with that tandem in the future, and I think you can still get two good years out of Najee Harris, um, and it's it's relatively affordable to do so because the running back salaries around the league help keep down that fifth year option uh, price tag. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you. Um, big game in two weeks. Who do you have and why? Oh, I think I've got the Chiefs. I mean, I I was leaning into the Ravens when this postseason began, but the more I saw the Patrick Mahomes-Travis Kelsey connection look like it always does this time of year, I just got that sneaky feeling in my gut that they're going to find a way to do it again. And obviously they did that on the road in Baltimore and did it the, the week prior uh, against a banged-up Buffalo defense. This is you know, probably going to be the toughest test they face yet, but until I see them knocked off, I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll keep picking them, and I, I'll be right more often than not, and you know, better to be wrong than, uh, than too early on, on picking against the Chiefs' dynasty. Yeah, I've been picking against them the whole postseason here, except for the Miami game, and it hasn't <laughs> made me look very smart. Um, hey, one more quick uh, question here for you, and we'll let you let you get on your way, Brian. But sure. uh, what do you think the Steelers' biggest area of need is at this point uh, as we look ahead to draft season? I know there's going to be a lot of changes, but as we stand right now. Yeah, I, I think I would torn between a number of positions, but I'd probably say inside linebacker because of all the attrition that they had at that spot, and they weren't the youngest there 
to begin with. You know, really the only homegrown um, you know, young veteran there is Mark Robinson, and he was a seventh rounder who hasn't played very much. So I think you know, with Quan Alexander being hurt, and uh, you know, a free agent Cole Holcomb just being hurt, uh, and, and he landed Roberts uh, getting up there into his thirties. I'd, I'd probably look to start restocking that position, but we've seen with Devin Bush and others in the past that's easier said than done. Uh, very difficult uh, area of the defense to scout these days. Tough to find guys who translate from college to the pros because of how much you ask of them. And just value-wise, you don't see a lot of those players being picked in the first round, but I do think uh, that's that's probably their biggest area of need. Well, we'll continue to follow your work, Brian, and we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Anytime. Have a good rest of the week, guys. All right, you too. When we return, we'll talk Penguins. Stay with us on Under Review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. I'm Lou Jordan, Tri-County Insider News. Here's what's happening. A 45-year-old Dubois man who pleaded guilty to burglary and theft charges has been sentenced to a maximum of three years in state prison. According to court documents, Chester Sugertz received a sentence of six months to three years and in order to pay over $1,000 in restitution to the victims. Dubois City Police say video footage showed Sugertz and a woman, Jesse Watson, breaking into a variety store on West Long Avenue in September. Court documents indicate that Watson was also charged for her alleged involvement in the break-in, but the case against her has not yet been resolved. And for local drivers, there is a traffic alert for the city of Dubois from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. on Thursday. East Scribner Avenue from North Church Street to North Stockdale Street will be closed for construction work. I'm Lou Jordan with your Tri-County Insider News on Connect FM. If you're tired of the fake news and tired of all the left-wing BS and agendas out there, if you want to do your right part to clean out the swamps and hit the lefties where it hurts, their pocketbook, we all know the president and his cronies hired thousands more IRS employees and agents. Now that's not very American. There's a way to fight back. Fellow conservatives out there, call American Tax Relief. They can help you pay less to the IRS. Don't you give a penny more to spend to the left-wing agendas. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes or haven't filed your taxes in years, call my friends at American Tax Relief. They'll give you a 100% free introduction to their program. And trust me, they're on the right side of your freedom. Pay the IRS less. Call now. 800-947-2132. 800-947-2132. That's 800-947-2132. Paid for by the tax doctor. If you still get one, has your newspaper gotten thin? Is it even published every day? And what's happened since the ink dried? If you're like most people, you get your news on the radio, online, or on your phone. And there is local news there, if you get it from us. Tri-County Insider covers Jefferson, Clearfield, and Elk Counties. Every weekday, a quick read right there in your email. You can subscribe free at tricountyinsider.com. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Lows of aloft around 33 tonight under overcast skies. Westerly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Cloudy skies expected again tomorrow. Slight chance for isolated rain showers. Daytime highs approaching 41. Chance for rain becoming mixed precipitation tomorrow night. Lows of aloft around 34. Cloudy skies expected. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Right now, 39. 
What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Welcome back to Under Review. And I lied at the end of the last segment. I said we were going to talk Penguins hockey, but we're going to actually talk a little bit of wrestling here. Not the kind that Dave Herzing likes, the kind that Dave Glass likes. And uh, he arranged a special treat. I got a couple of former students in the studio right now. We got Zach Gallagher and Davey Achenbaugh joining us to talk a little wrestling. How's it going, fellas? Good. How about yourself? Great. Great. Good to have you both. Have you guys ever done radio before? I've done it like twice. All right. Yeah. (laughs) You had to sing the Christmas carols, (laughs) didn't you? Yeah. We won't make you sing here today, but... uh, Let's talk a little bit of wrestling. I hear you guys had quite the thriller last night and came uh, came from behind, I think, and won a, won a big match. So yes, how's sir. the season going? Talk about that match and how the season's going. Um, we'll start with how the season's been going. We're a younger team, so it's been it's been kind of tough adjusting to that. Like the older kids, we um, do what we need to do, and we're still trying to help out the less experienced kids while we're still around. And it's, it's a battle, but we're getting better every day. Just to piggyback off of that, it's like we work. We work hard. We work hard for our coaches. And also us older guys also teach them more moves than the coaches teach. But main thing is just teamwork and how we came back to win that match. And Davey had a huge match. Yeah. I mean, Parker's good, but Davey just had a dog in him. Well, let, let, let's talk about that for a minute. So let, let's set the scene. You guys were down, and then you got a couple wins, and then your match, you went out with, I believe, a one-point team lead. Is that right? <clears throat> yeah, we were, one, we were up 34-33. 34-33. He's got the last match of the night against a kid who's wrestled you tough in the past, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, I wrestled him at the uh, District 9 championship tournament, and I lost 4-2. Uh, to two. And then I wrestled him at the Midwinter Mayhem tournament down in IUP. And... Um, it was it was the match to go to the third place match and I was wrestling him tough and he ended up getting the best of me. I actually got caught in a headlock and got pinned, which I knew it was just kind of a fluke. I shouldn't have gotten the pin, but we wrestle we wrestle each other very well. So so but there's the thing, if he loses the team loses the match, what goes one one and then you beat him in overtime? Yeah. That's it was a- uh no score going into the second period and Parker chose down and uh I rode him for a little bit, but he ended up. I ended up just giving the escape. I couldn't hold him down for much longer, and then I did the same the next period. And then that whole match, I was just kind of working on what I needed to avoid because I know Parker's good on his feet, and I'm not terrible on my feet either, but uh, I just knew I kind of had to keep good position uh, to pull out the win. So what happened? Did, did you counter a shot, or did you take a shot <clears throat> to well, get him? it was very early in overtime, and I – it was a. It wasn't like a very good shot, but it was just kind of to get moving. And then he shot back. I ended up uh, dragging his arm past, and then took his leg and took him down. After. Very exciting. Is that the first time in your varsity career that you you've been you've like been in that position to win the, the match like that? Yes, actually. Other other than one time in freshman year, I think, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was. That was like the real first time. It had to be quite a quite a thrill. It was. It was a. It was a great moment. Well, was, 
everybody was there to watch it was great that's awesome we can't we can't let big z go without he got a big pin or else you're not in that yeah, position I know. and he's been doing that all year so so z what's your record so far this year i am 26 and 5 26 and 5 so yeah he's one of the best heavyweights around and how do you have any idea do you check your stats you know how many pins you have this year do you have any idea no no <laughs> i wasn't sure when i when i wrestled i didn't have very many wins but i always kept track of those kind of things won't surprise bob at all i'm sure but uh so let's talk a little bit i know you have a, i believe a new coach this year right and yes, and uh, so how's that been going it's always tough especially when you're a senior and your coaching staff changes so how, how big of an adjustment has that been for you well i don't know me and zach have been around the we've been there for four yeah, years yeah we've been there for that's four what years. i mean it, yeah it, our ninth grade year, we had uh, Coach Scott, and then he ended up uh, resigning. And then we had Coach Brown for two years, Garrett Brown. But uh, Coach Krupa came in last year. He, he was the new uh, high school chemistry teacher. And so we got to know him a little bit, or not a little bit last year. We got, we got to know him a lot. We became very close with him. And then this year, it hasn't been really anything to adjust to. He's always been behind us and supporting us. He's always believed in us. It's been really nice to have him and and you you talked a little bit about the the leadership part of it i mean you guys are the seniors you've got some you know young talent coming up but you guys are right pretty pretty young team uh what, what are some of the things you do to help your, your young uh teammates you know to excel once you're gone just pick them up like you say they're down and they need more motivation and also they need just someone there to tell them that it's going to be okay you're gonna be fine. It's one loss, but you always come back in the room and get better and better. That's how our coaches praise it. Yeah, a lot of the time, it's really helpful whenever we can move around the room and wrestle different kids during practice because that's whenever you, uh, as an as an older teammate, you uh, pick up on a lot of stuff that they're doing wrong, and that's whenever you're able to help them the most. Well, so I know you guys had talked a little bit before we went on air. Uh, tell the folks listening, what, what are your plans uh, coming up? I know you, you, you've already, David, you talked about what you're going to do next. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to enlist in the Air Force. Uh, it was a decision that I made a couple, like maybe like a month ago, actually. I was planning on going to college. Uh, I got accepted into a couple of nursing programs and I was going to wrestle. But um, my mom kind of just saw it in me. She was like, do you really want to go to college? And I'm really not the school type. <laughs> And uh, I wasn't very excited, so I, I do want to do something great with myself. So I thought that the military would be a great opportunity. Well, and you always have that option after too. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I could, if I don't like it, I'll go mm -hmm. get a free education somewhere. That's right. Well, congratulations on that choice, and I'm sure you'll do great. Z, what Thank what you. are you thinking? I would like to go to college, be a special education teacher, and um, just play football in college. Oh, there you go. Tell you what, special education, boy. I tell you what, you know, we we need we need people to, to do that and, and help those kids. So that's Absolutely. great. Zach would be great at that. You've been through multiple coaching changes now, and your four years of wrestling. What do you think has prepared you most for life after graduation? Um, definitely just the sport all around, all the ups and downs, all of the uh, terrible, terrible practices. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely. Now that's preparing you for the Air Force. Yeah, there. that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just been a thing that we've had in our life since we were super, super young. And I mean, I definitely wouldn't, if I had to go back, I think I'd still choose wrestling just because of the fact that everything's easier for me. 
uh, mentally. And that, like, getting through a wrestling season is tougher than anything, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. You know, somebody, again, nowhere near you guys' level, but it, no people underestimate the mental game that wrestling is. Yes, it's a physical game, but, boy, it can really can really pound on you mentally, too, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, at the beginning of the season, my head was not in it at all. Yeah. Big senior year, coming off of football, just not having the most mental game. Yeah, I mean, I've only ever really played team sports other than golf. And golf is a really mental game. And I know what confidence means. And when you're confident, it really affects how you perform. So how do you keep your confidence up after you lose a, a tough match? Um, that's something that we've just been kind of trained for ever since we were younger, like getting through those hard matches. We've taken the, the bumps along the road. And eventually you just figure out that you're like I believe in myself you just got to go back into practice with your head down and figure out what you're doing wrong in your short-term memory yeah yep yeah do, do you think it's easier in a tournament because you know you've got another match like maybe in an hour hour and a half versus if you lose in a dual meet you've got days to think about it right I that was the case for me the tournament okay I got the next match is coming yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. basically that match is like right there like as soon as you say you're in semis and you lose you're like right back on mm -hmm. and just to keep your mind right is that I don't want to do the semi slide so I just I got to keep working and I can work my stuff and just keep going so let's talk a little bit about what you guys have left you have a couple dual meets left is tomorrow night a home match I believe yeah is yeah. it senior night yeah senior yep. so night tomorrow against Bradford. folks little plug senior night come out and and uh, see Big Z and Davey uh, put it put it on put a show on for the crowd one last time and then uh I think what districts are they like the 17th I believe or thereabouts so you've got somewhere a, around there yeah. yeah we have we have a match in Phillipsburg next Tuesday and then our last home match would be next Thursday against Clarion and then we don't have anything the following week and then that week after that next weekend we will have our district tournament so you know then we start talking about more individual goals so what what are you guys thinking what what are your goals here where you know just tell me what your what your goals are. We're getting on the podium. Though. Getting on the podium. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely at the state tournament. We've been working at that forever now, and it's always been a goal of ours. That's what we're shooting for. Well, how about some analysis for the future? How does Dubois Wrestling look coming coming up here through the pipes? You guys see the younger guys. Is, oh, my God. Is there some hope? There is hope. Absolutely. There's we're a lot gonna, of hope. I think we're going to end up being a powerhouse in the next couple of years. We uh a lot of talent, just kids that have – come up the same way as us it's just a whole group of them like whenever we were younger like a, a lot of kids you know it not all of them stuck around but this group they're uh they're good they're gonna be good also we wrestle with them for our whole lives yeah through jos to high school i'm glad i get to be a mentor to those kids because it's going to be fun watching them when they're older. Well, and I know this happened. We're almost done. And I know this happens to Bob all the time as your teacher. But, you know, I coached Davey when he was 10. And it's hard to believe that's been eight years ago. And to see you guys here now, and it was seven years ago for Big yeah. Z when, when on the, and the other Little League team. So, uh, you know, we're all so proud of you. And we know you guys are going to do great in life. And, and it's so great that you were able to come in here tonight. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time, guys. We wish you the best of luck and uh, stop back in sometime. Give Absolutely. us another update, and Dave yeah. will educate us on wrestling here. I got to right. teach them that WWE is not wrestling. <laughs> not at all. No. That's right.
All right, when we return, we will talk about Penguins hockey. Stay with us as we continue under review, sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Making Valentine's plans? Fly on in to the Flight Deck Restaurant and Lounge. Flight Deck's Valentine specials include prime rib or full rack of ribs, live Maine lobster or stuffed chicken breasts, or half rack of ribs. Served with shrimp cocktail, salad, choice of potato, and vegetable. Enjoy a strawberry daiquiri or non-alcoholic beverage. Serving Sunday and Wednesday, 11th and 14th. Call for reservations. See details on Facebook. The Flight Deck Restaurant at the Dubois Airport. Gain a fresh perspective on investing with national and local award-winning Guardian Planners. Listen to Sound Money Management Tuesday mornings at 835 featuring Chuck Johnson. Check out Chuckonomics at GuardianPlanners.com. Hi, I'm Diana. As a veteran, I know that for many servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home because I too struggle with the invisible wounds of service. Thankfully, I found American Humane's Pups for Patriots program, which brought Sam into my life. Before being paired with Sam, I didn't get out of bed for most days. Pups for Patriots and Sam literally changed my life. Now I'm able to go to the store without having a panic attack. I'm finally able to live my life the way I want to live it. Pups for Patriots provides trained service dogs to veterans like me at no cost. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots service dog program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance. A message from American Humane. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Well, that was fun to listen to Dave basically run the show here with the wrestling crew. And I got to give you credit because, you know... um, we don't really know much about wrestling. I know Dave Herzing's probably t- thinking, oh, man, what about WWE or whatever? But uh, you did a good job running that, and it's nice to have the kids in and, and talking about their futures, too. And I appreciate you guys uh, indulging me. I've been wanting to have some you know, some wrestlers on for a while. We tried to have them on in December, and it didn't work out. So uh, why not with Senior Night tomorrow? It seemed like a perfect well, time. It and, certainly and, is. And, and they're great kids. I mean, that's yep. the other thing. They're, they're just good kids. And I had them both in school, and it's good to see them growing up. And it makes me feel old, but, uh, you know, like you said, we are proud of them. But let's talk a little bit of Penguins hockey here. Henry and I were both at the game on Saturday, so let me play a quick clip here. All right, so that was a big goal for the Penguins on Saturday night. Losing that game would have been a heartbreaker. We know the struggles they've had in overtime and whatnot, but uh, here we are. We're at the All-Star game, and the Penguins are six points out of a playoff spot right now, and I just have to question uh, at this point, are they going to make the playoffs? 
Right now they're on a pace to finish with about 90 to 91 points, and that hasn't been good enough in, in modern times here. So how confident are you guys that this team, as presently constructed, will be a playoff team? I, I feel like my optimism for this team has ebbed and flowed, and I'd like to say it's one simple fix to to fix that top power play unit, but if it were a simple fix, I feel like they'd have done it already. I still think I'm leaning towards them being a playoff team. There's a situation in the Metro where every team had been hot for the first half of the season, but you've got a big slide from the Islanders, Flyers, Devils, and Capitals right now, all on losing streaks, and the two teams ahead of them right now, the Islanders and the Flyers, uh, the Islanders just had a head coaching change. The Flyers have potentially lost their goalie for the rest of the season and have to rely on some unproven options there. I, I think the Penguins can jump at least one of those teams, and I think that'd be enough to get them in. Uh, I, we'll come back to that Flyers situation maybe in a little bit because I think they may have lost him for longer than the rest of the season, and that's terrible. That is a terrible, terrible situation. But back to the Penguins. Look, the only reason I think they even have a shot is exactly what Henry talked about, that we're used to the East being strong and the Metro being really strong. It's weak. It's probably the worst division in hockey this year, and that is the only reason they have a chance. Look, analytics still love this team. They say they're a good 5-on-5 five -five team. They say they're generating all kinds of chances on the power play. I'm an analytics guy. My eye test says... It's not there. I mean, they may be generating chances, but they are giving up so many chances with the man advantage. It's crazy. Their goalies have bailed them out time and time again. If they were getting average goaltending, this team would probably be well below 500. I, these goalies are not getting enough credit for what they're doing. You know, analytics love what Carlson's doing. I do not. I think he has been, especially the last month, I think he's been horrible. Malkin has not. Yeah, okay, he scored that goal, but that was a tap-in at the side of the net. He has been a, a liability. This team can't score goals. I mean, when, when you look at what's happening, they are bottom, what, bottom 10, I think, in the league in goal scoring. They're top 10 in goal prevention, I think. So who th who would have thought this? We talked in the preseason. They were going to win or lose every game 5-4. Yeah. Every game is a race to three. Isn't that the truth? And, and I do agree with you. I have been disappointed with Eric Carlson. I thought we would see more, especially on the power play. That's been a disappointment. To me, he and Malkin are like those two kids in school that you got to put on separate ends of the classroom and they're putting them out there on the power play together i think you got to put one or the other but not both i i feel dubas is in a terrible position because if he you really should trade gensel and we've talked about this a million times on the show i said the last time i didn't think they would i still think they probably won't out of deference to crosby but if if they're not going to make the playoffs and they i think it's less than 50 50 even with the division at what point do you say, okay, we need to fill the cupboard back up. It's bare. And and this is your one chip. And you know it's going to be a seller's market. Hardly anybody's selling. But I don't think that he'll have the ability to do that. I just don't. And then it's another year pushed down. And I think next year the wheels really come off because Crosby cannot continue at this level much longer. They're getting an all-time age 36 season out of him. One of these years he's going to have 60 points. And then it's then it's over. I would agree with that, but I, I guess I wouldn't be so quick to count Sid out. I think that what he's doing at his age isn't necessarily as physically dominant as he once was, but I, I think he'll always be two to three steps ahead of everyone else on the ice. Mentally. That pass, yes, that pass he made yes. onto the back door, to see that live was a treat. I, I know you feel the same, Bob. And 
that is not going away anytime soon. I think he'll always be able to, no matter who his wingers are, generate excellent chances and tap-ins for them because he's just two to three steps ahead at all times with his brain. And so I, I do think the window's open as long as he can still get from the defensive zone to the offensive zone, whether that's somebody pushing him down there or not. He'll still be smart enough to pull it off. I, I do think you're spot on, though, with Evgeny Malkin. I, I do think that age 37 wall has hit him in a way that I hope it doesn't for Crosby. Well, I hope it doesn't for Crosby, too. And look, I, we are so spoiled. We are so spoiled as Penguins Unbelievably. fans. But my only response is, and I hope you're right, I, I still want to be wrong. I hope he's still a dominant player at 40, but father time is undefeated. You know I've said this many times. When you bet against the aging curve, sooner or later you lose. Well, according to Tankathon.com, the Penguins have the eighth most difficult schedule remaining. So that's, that's, that's working against them. Um, at the end of February, they go on a Western road trip. And in March, they have 16 games in 31 days. So it's going to be a brutal schedule for them. Well, and that's the other thing. I don't like the way this schedule played out. Yeah, it's wonderful they're getting this break now. I mean, they, they've got one game in 10 days or something like that. And then a double, two games and I think another three days off. But then, yes, I looked at that March schedule. And you, you want to talk about last year, Crosby did dip in the second half. That could be a problem again. And if his level drops even slightly, I don't know where they're going to get the offense. And, and, and I hate that they, they, they get this week off, but then they jam these schedules in March. I mean, they're playing every other day. Analytically, I'd have to think even if Crosby's scoring production dips, someone will fill that role. But I, I've been optimistic waiting for that all season where we're more than 40 games in, and I've been waiting. Like, surely it'll break. They can't be – top five and expected goals for and bottom five in finishing like I, I you would think that would break the other way at some point but I have to agree with you on the eye test part of things the analytics aren't supporting what we're watching and at some point I've got to think it'll either make or break that they're either going to start putting these pucks in the net or it's just not bound to happen yeah, and when I look at the teams above them in the standings I mean there's not too many that I think that they can take over you know surpass um, I mean, you got the, the Bruins, Panthers, and Lightning, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Flyers to me, that is team. one that they can um, come back on, the Maple Leafs, and then the Red Wings. Um, probably the Red Wings and the Flyers, but you got teams like New Jersey and New York, the Islanders that are right behind. And, you know, these teams get coaching. When they fire their coaches, they get a bump that way too. But I wanted to transition and speak about that because one team started the season horribly. That was the Edmonton Oilers. They were two and what were they? Two and nine or something like that at one point. They were the bottom, they were at the bottom of the Western Conference. And suddenly now they are on a 16-game winning streak. And when we come back from break, they're gonna have a chance to tie the Penguins NHL record of 17 games in a row set in 1992-93. This streak that they're on started all the way back in December 21st. They won every game in January that they played, and they are just on a tear here. So what can you guys say about the Oilers streak going on? It's refreshing to finally see a Connor McDavid team winning some games. I know they made a deep playoff run during his tenure there, but it's been a lot of not underachieving on his part, but as a team. And so to see a really good defensive game that they're playing, to see them excelling in the net, it's very strange. It's not something he's had throughout his career, and so that support is nice. 
Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a still skill guy. I want to see the skill be rewarded, and that I mean, obviously him and Drysaddle are ridiculous. So he needs his cup. I I, I said in the preseason, I thought this was their yeah, year. Yeah, I think you picked them. And yeah. and you know the water seeks its own level. That's a team that was underachieving. Now I you know they're not really as this good, but they're they're good. They're they're going to be a real force. Well, it makes me wonder why do these teams do so well when they fire their coaches and. You know, I'm I'm a big Mike Sullivan guy, but I do think that there's been a little bit of staleness that has set in, and I have to question why can they not fix the power play? If nothing else, maybe fire Todd Reardon. Isn't he in charge of the power play? Um, I'm not advocating they fire him, but I do think that that does tend to be the injection and in the, in the boost that teams need, and I just don't think that's an option for the Pens. No, it's not. I mean, I think – to an extent, they're catering to Sid, and that's fine at this stage of the game, but Sid has said he never wants to play for any other coach. I think that's the end of the argument. I think as long as Sid wants him here and as long as Sid is still playing, that's your coach, right? Yeah, I, hey, that's why they signed Malkin. I mean, I, if, if Sid would have said, eh, you know what, we're good, Malkin was gone. The team didn't want to bring him back. That was pretty obvious from the negotiations, right? I mean, that, that was a very last-minute thing. So Sid is playing a little bit of assistant GM, and I think he's earned that right. Yeah, absolutely and mike sullivan's extension hasn't even kicked in well, and that will in the, the summer thing, so yeah. yeah i mean they're kind of stuck in that in that state there but um as far as the team goes i mean honestly i think there is more room to give from from other players i think on if you look at who has played well this season you could probably name them all on a hand you know on one hand who has actually had a good season so far so if they can ever get these guys going carlson and and the guys that we talk about all the time you know, then then maybe they can make a run here. But um, yeah, we got a couple minutes left, guys, here. And uh, I just wanted to see, is there anything that we missed tonight that you wanted to throw out there? Well, I, we, we have to talk about this Team Canada scandal a little bit. I mean, you know, that was several years ago in junior. There's there's some really serious criminal allegations there. There's four NHL players now under indictment, including Carter Hart. And it's really going to harm the league. I mean, yeah, it's really torched Team Canada. They've had to fire almost everybody in administration, and, and there was a real problem there. But um, I just hope that this was a one-off and not some kind of a bigger in, – indicative of a bigger problem with, with how uh, male athletes were, were acting when, when you know under those team conditions. Uh, I guess we'll see what comes out of it, but it, it's extremely disappointing. I feel as though this may unfortunately be the tip of a larger iceberg. There, there seemed to be a, an ongoing challenge to what is hockey culture in that, uh, in that male environment. And the more we uncover from everything from the Blackhawks scandal now to uh, Team Canada, it just seems as though there's a culture of wanting to cover these things up. And that does no one any favors, especially in the, the short term to those that are affected and in the long term for the game of hockey. Well, that's an excellent point. Bring it back to the Blackhawks spot on. All right. It's time to get lost here, guys. And we'll let uh, Henry, being our guest, start us off. I'm going to throw a uh, I'm going to throw a big get lost to mandatory selections for the NHL All-Star <laughs> game. Tom Wilson and Boone Jenner have a combined 37 points on the season. There are 24 of their peers going to the All-Star game that have more points than that individually. I, I don't understand why, unless that's the host city, every single team has to have a nominee. 
There was a, a year ago when Seattle hosted it, their nominee couldn't make it, so they didn't fill them even in with a nominee. So where, where does that consistency come in? Well, and I'm going to say hashtag get lost to the All-Star game in general and all All-Star games. I'm tired of them. You just took mine. I was going to, I was going to, yeah. What's the point here? Nobody, nobody takes it seriously anymore. Every league, it's just, and heck, NFL isn't even doing one, are they? So, no, no mean, that, flag that, heck football, with, maybe. Heck with all of it. All right, for Dave Glass and Henry Sutter, I'm Bob Anderson. Catch you next Wednesday.